0: welcome to the podcast today today we have my co-host mitch and we're going to go over a few questions regarding a series i've put together called ancient wisdom modern science and common sense i've put this together over the last couple of years in response to a lot of different input i got from patients and from friends and family members regarding uh the different data that's out there yeah the amount of it
1: absolutely so let's start this I'm, i'm gonna start by asking you a question what does ancient wisdom, modern science, and common sense means to you actually?
0: To me, anytime I'm trying to find a truth, a higher truth, I would love to go and find something in the ancient writings and ancient wisdom that validates that truth. And if there's scientific validation for it, that even makes it stronger in my mind. And if it fits a model of what I refer to, and obviously this is an interesting topic, you know, what is common sense? um, I look at that as well and say, does this make sense to logical thinking, you know, good, clean living and all uh, that it, that involves. So anytime I'm searching for an answer or a higher truth, I want to incorporate, you know, everything in the ancient wisdoms, everything in modern science that I could find, good good science that's uh, been validated through good university studies, double-blind crossover, placebo-controlled studies, things like that, and multiple studies done at multiple universities by different practitioners. If you really look at how research is done, you got to be pretty careful, as, you, as you'd imagine. And then does it, does it make sense to everything else that I've figured out in my life over the years of being in practice? You know, I mean, uh, common sense is a whole nother topic, but. Sometimes um, common
1: sense ain't coming.
0: No, no, that's uh, not, not since the pandemic, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Good example. So why did you title this series, um, you know, ancient wisdom, modern science and common sense? Why did you? I I
0: wanted to be obvious that that's where I drew the information from. And it was in response to people not having any idea where to go. I mean, where are they looking for an answer? Uh, If you simply search the internet for data, you'll get stuck in marketing campaigns and people's opinion to try to sell themselves or sell something. And it becomes very difficult to find what you're looking for. I, I grew up in an era and was educated in an era before the internet. So everything we did was, you know, you could ask a professor, you could dig out an old dusty textbook and you could uh, go to the library and start knocking around looking for research that's usually years old. Uh, so there was a downside to it, but it was limited and that made it easier whether it was, you know, more valid or not is another question, but it was at least simpler. Um, now the, the opposite problem, we have too much information to sift through. I have patients that ask me about diet, exercise, everything imaginable. And I felt I should, get a, I should spend the time as they're in a sense, uh, health coach and doctor, I should spend the time sifting through because I can go through research articles very quickly and tell you what's valid and who paid for the research and, uh, you know, should you listen to that or not. And I decided to put this together in segments, you know, the one series is 28 days to optimum health. And in that one, there's a short video, yeah, six to eight minutes long on some of my favorite topics. And we took each topic then we have PDFs following that. And that's going to be put on my you know, university that we just set up called Christopher University. A person could go there and take classes. Um, we've complete we've almost completed the one class and then we're going to add other ones as we go. Meanwhile, we want to have these uh, podcasts to be able to introduce different people that have influenced me and get information to everybody to so they understand, you know, where I'm coming from, you know, what my experience is.
1: No, that's, uh, that's actually really, really helpful, especially, as you mentioned, you know, there's so much information out there. You know, sometimes people get lost in this large ocean of mm-hmm. information online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to have a resource that they can go to and be able to find that information, I think it's great. What are some examples of ancient wisdom, modern science and common sense? Can you actually um, be able to, you know, can that apply to?
0: Well, one interesting example that came up one time is someone came in my office and asked me about alkaline water uh-huh. and I'd heard of it. I knew that the pH of water varied a little bit and that an alkaline body was a healthier body and an acidic body was a more uh, unhealthy body and that, you know, you can take your pH and measure it by urine or, uh, your, um, salivary enzymes, uh, and find out, you know, what is your pH, but would drinking alkaline water be beneficial? And if so, how much? And the first thing I thought is, what is the research? Now, I started down that road and found a lot of, once again, marketing campaigns and sales options and ideas. And we found that I felt like I was being sold more than informed. And then it occurred to me, well, let's look and see if alkaline water exists in nature. One of my favorite authors is Mark Sesson. He wrote a series of books regarding Primal Blueprint, um, about looking back at the 165,000 years that we've been on this planet and using that as a guide and i thought well if alkaline water exists in nature let's find out where is it in, a, in the basement of a chemical plant or is it in the amazon jungle um is it in the most pristine environments in, in nature and it turns out the more pristine environments you can find alkaline water oftentimes it has to do with the mineral content and where the water's been running through a part of the ground and a lot of different factors so that made me believe alkaline water was good for you then the question was exactly how much and then that question was answered after a little bit more looking into how our body changes its ph and the mineral content in our body as a lot of people know mineral water is healthy Um, uh, uh, distilled water uh, is really clean but it's almost too clean so if you drank a lot of distilled water you can pull minerals out of your body if you don't drink enough Uh, clean water, however, and you err on the side of having water that's mineral rich, but also filled with chlorine and dioxin and other chemicals, you're in a worse position. So alkaline water made sense because I thought of, does it exist in nature? So in a sense, is it anciently wise? Has it occurred uh, in many environments? And it had. And then the common sense question that came into uh, fruition was, you know, what amount of water? Uh, drinking seven gallons of water a day, obviously that would break a common sense model, uh, drinking four ounces of water a day. You know, a lot of people are doing that, but that doesn't make sense because if you look at nat- natural foods, most foods that you pull off the vine are 90% water. You know, the processed foods go down to 20% water. One of the things that makes a processed food unhealthy is it's water, co- it's lack of water. It's a low water content. So Uh, Anytime I have a question to ask, uh, or a patient asks me a question, something pops in my head, I try to use those as rules. You know, what is the ancient wisdom on this? What can we find from that that's been repeated in nature, the 165,000 years, according to Mark Sesson? And what is the research? What do the research say? Reliable research. And then, of course, what happens when we apply just basic common sense, you know, what makes sense, what's what's, what's in bounds, you know, what, what, you know, once in a while something challenges our common sense and that's healthy, you know, we want to go outside of our comfort zone and uh, perform optimally, but we certainly don't want to get stuck in such a narrow uh, blind existence that we end up believing things that really aren't valid. So uh, I just put it through those tests.
1: No, that's actually really, really good. So you have like your own process of Mm -hmm. assessing and evaluating as to what is you know, valid and what's not
0: right. And I think the difference between myself and someone who would come to the university or listen to these podcasts is that, you know, they have a busy life doing what they do. You know, my life is this, you know, my life is staying well read, uh, having conversations with the public to see what do they really looking for what are they asking for and you know my patients are a wonderful source of that i get tremendous questions every day and i always welcome any kind of challenging question i'm not afraid to tell my patients when i don't know but most of the time by the next time they see me i'm going to know i'm going to go look it up i'm going to go figure it out because uh, i don't like not to know things i like to know things <laughs> i think mitch knows what that feels like
1: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely you know so i'm not by the way so if somebody's searching for information online because again as we said before, you know, that's like an ocean, you know, mm. so you can, you can go about, everybody has an opinion online. How do they go about finding, you know, or filtering through a consistent reliable specific type of information? How do they go about finding that type of information?
0: Where? Yeah, it's, it's extremely difficult. And that is the main reason I put this together. I thought if I could spend the time uh, using all the knowledge I have, and put together something that makes sense for people on any topic um well we welcome your input on topics we can get into that but in the series that we did on uh christopher university we have a topic such as grounding uh it's a fascinating topic because you think about the electrical conduction in your body all right most people know that our nerves conduct uh, an amount of electric or conduct electricity to stimulate our cells. And that's one of the things that keeps us alive, but most people don't realize that we hold an amount of static electricity in our body. Anyone that's ever touched something and got a shock realizes that something happened there and it was a discharge of the static electrical field that you built up. Well, if our feet aren't touching the ground, ever real ground, actual earth, we build up that static electricity and it stays in us. And until we touch ground, uh, it, that does some damage, they feel. Uh, And one of the things is that it inflames the body and inflammation. We know is one of the pathways to pain. So if we can ground ourselves at night or spend an amount of time on real ground, which would take bare feet on real earth or actual devices that plug into the ground part of your electric outlet, we're going to hold that energy in our body. Now, most people don't have the time and energy to think about this stuff, but I do. So I put my favorite stuff together. And anything that has been asked of me uh, by using technology. Now, when I studied grounding, I purchased a book about it, got a couple of devices and tried to spend enough time with it to actually feel the difference and have family members ground themselves, you know, for a few hours. It's simple as wearing these little bracelets that plug into the outlet or think about how good you feel when you spend a good day outside barefoot in the grass. There's a lot of stimuli outside that could be making you feel good. But one of the things that people aren't really recording is the way they're getting electrical charges out of their body and grounding with the earth. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, the, the earth is filled with electrical currents and magnetic fields that a lot of us uh, aren't really aware of, but to be able to take advantage of that and simply get your feet into the ground. If you think about we're wearing rubber bottom shoes, we're on carpeting, uh, you know, in the old days, shoes were leather and they got wet and you grounded through the wet leather onto the actual ground you were walking on. Now things are, you know, we're in buildings lifted off the ground, and we're in rubber shoes when we're outside, and uh, we're insulated. And that insulation from Earth um, is not healthy. And the, it's and it's a subtle energy that causes problems over time. So that's probably the best example I can come up with.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, um, with, um, with that as far as you know, the the resources that you've put together, you know, obviously it's an amazing resource for anybody to utilize. Um, but just the aspect of, you know, being able to talk about specific topics like that, you know, from grounding to nutrition to, um, you know, just yoga, yeah. you know, simple things like that. So, um, so as far as like, if they were looking for specific information where they can find it, you will say, Definitely go to the university.
0: I think the university is a great place to get started. If you have a very specific topic that isn't there, I I, I just, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time, but try to look at research that has been done with less uh, money-making or marketing. Like uh, years ago, they came up with a commercial that said pork is the other white meat. And I remember laughing, thinking, okay, uh, there's a shred of truth there. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of evidence that pork is an unhealthy meat and people are going to believe that it's like Turkey all of a sudden, because it's white and to say that they are, no one knows who they are, uh, now referring to it as a white meat is absolutely insane. When you look, any nutritionist will tell you that, but to believe that is easy because where are you getting your information? It's between your sitcom on a commercial. And I thought, I wonder how long it's going to take for someone to walk in my office and say to me, pork's the other white meat, isn't it? And it was about three weeks. And I thought that's amazing. And without insulting the person I had to say, you know, you're getting your information from an advertising campaign paid for by people who, you know, raise pigs and, you know, that's a little deceiving, uh, you know, you've got to be careful of what you're listening to. Uh, spend some time really looking at what the saturated fat in pork is like, what the genome is like, the viruses that are heat stable that you can ingest when you eat pork. There's a reason uh, pork is considered an unhealthy meat. It isn't just the saturated fat. It goes beyond that. Um, So yeah, it it takes a lot to do so, but just be careful who's paying for the information that you're getting. Think of how corny a infomercial is. We all can kind of see through infomercials. The first one I saw, I thought it was a show of some type. And then I realized it was actually a commercial to sell a product, but they were informing me, um, you know, uh, was that information true? Well, like any great lie, it's partially true. There's shreds of truth in it, Uh, but they're selling something, you know, and, you know, that's fine. But at least we should know when we're being sold and when we're being informed and when we're being taught. So that's.
1: Would you say other uh, professionals that, you know, maybe in a specific industry. Absolutely. Um, like sure. Nutrition, yeah. Nutrition.
0: I, one of the things in New York state that uh, is a shame is that naturopathic doctors aren't giving a, a, a bigger scope of practice and on a podcast in the future, we're going to have a naturopath on who's from Minnesota where they have, you know, more open laws and a bigger scope of practice, meaning they can do more in this state. A naturopath is really, uh, restricted and it's, it's a shame because a naturopathic education is intense And it's filled with, you know, everything natural uh, to make you healthier from, once again, ancient wisdoms from mustard packs to salt rubs to different types of soaks. Uh, It's a lot of stuff that, you know, was done by our great, great grandmothers in times before there were drugs and in place of drugs and a lot healthier more subtle sometimes, but a lot healthier. So, uh, yeah, the use of other professionals in in specific areas. uh, Absolutely.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, again, especially when we're talking about, you know, filtering through the information um, online for the average person, you know, obviously, they may not necessarily have your knowledge. So having that resource, something that they can tap to or having another professional that, you know, they can go to and ask questions. I think that's important, um, you know, as you mentioned. Yeah.
0: You know, well, having so, a relationship with a professional in natural health care, heavily promote. Yeah. Whether it's a chiropractor, a very informed massage therapist, personal trainers can be amazing. Um, you know, nutritionists, and of course the naturopaths. Um, they're all you know in a similar vein. They're all going to you know enhance your health without the use of pharmaceuticals and invasive chemicals and uh, the promotion of you know a more invasive system. Uh, you know, working and nipping things in the bud, working on prevention, uh, truly enhancing your health versus you know being. Uh, late in the game and having to resort to a chemical or a surgical answer for a problem that could have been curved, uh, you know, early on, it could have early, you know, you, you, every every year that you do something wrong, your body's remolding itself, it's trying to clean itself out, and the damage adds up over time. Yeah. It's it's rarely too late, but the but oftentimes a, a person doesn't really have those kind of voices around them. I try to be that voice for all my patients and uh send them outward i have send people to personal trainers often physical therapists to you know to handle the specific problem that's within that person's expertise mm-hmm. you know my aim has always been to avoid the drug surgical model of health it's not really healthcare; care it's disease care technically and health care would be taking care of health promoting health um, your, your doctors uh, medical doctor is unfortunately placed in a situation where most people come to he or she too late in the game and they end up having to resort to a chemical answer or uh, the patient may be impatient and not want to do the things in the diet, the spiritual development, um, the stress, uh, you know, maybe changing their jobs, moving on in their life in some way to get rid of the stress that's causing the the stomach ailment, for example. You know, so many people have emotional uh, stresses in their lives and uh, it's hard to get rid of the stress, coping with the stress, developing yourself to be able to deal with the stress is obviously the answer. It's not easy, but that should be the path. Chemically altering your uh, brain chemistry so you can tolerate a uh, stressed out bizarro world uh, to me is uh, its a sad answer. Oftentimes it's all we have momentarily, but if anyone is going to do that, I always encourage them at the same time to seek a natural answer. Mm-hmm. You use the, the medication that's necessary in the time to get you through the toughest part of it, but realize, you know, hopefully that's temporary, and you're going to change your life in some way uh, to really enhance your health.
1: No, that's a great answer. Um, So as far as um, you just mentioned, as far as uh, mental, um, and spiritual, and on the physical, how does that play into that, um, you know, ancient wisdom in modern science? Um, Sure, that because a lot of modern science, we think primarily as being medical or, you know, it's very fixed.
0: Yeah. One of the things the Chinese uh, did in their medical system, um, mainly people know it as acupuncture, but there's way more to it than the simple rods. uh, People call needles or technically rods. They're placed into your skin. The Chinese realized and took great notes for thousands of years that each emotion we have has a mechanism which turns on specific physiology to solve that problem. So go way back. There's a saber toothed tiger. You have a sharp stick and you're about to fend for your life. Well, most of us would understand that we would start breathing deeply. We would reduce uh, release uh, cortisol and adrenaline. And this acute stress, this really traumatic, acute stress would light us up and we would be stronger and smarter and faster than normal. And we would resolve the problem relatively quickly. Well, if that created fear, which in most people it would, We would increase the tension in our jaw, our shoulders and our neck. Our heart rhythm and rate would change. Um, The stroke volume would change. So a whole bunch of things would go on and we would resolve the problem in one of two ways. We'd be eaten or we would uh, fend ourselves uh, off and, and slay the saber toothed tiger. Well, that was an acute quick stress. It was over relatively quickly. Modern life has the unfortunate situation of chronic stress. So we have relationships and finances that are constantly chipping away at us. And on a 1 to 10 scale, they might be a 4. The saber tooth tiger is a 10 because your life is at stake. So a 4 for 35 years, what does it do? It's going to keep turned up slightly all the mechanisms of stress, which are tension in your shoulders, in your jaw, a change in your heart rate, a change in your breath, a, a shutting down your, your digestive system, because why put blood into a system of eating when you're fighting for your life? And people wonder why they have stomach problems. Well, stomach problems are related to not getting yourself into the mental, emotional state of digestion. So if someone comes to me with headaches and shoulder, neck and jaw issues, they're usually a person that's stuck in a fear state. They can be wired that way or they can be in a situation where they really are in chronic fear all the time for maybe even a good reason. But the the other area would be disgust. Now, disgust attacks the stomach, specifically in the middle back. So people come in with this nausea or a chronic pain. And if you leave that long enough, it relates to it becomes an actual physical condition that can be seen. Think of an ulceration of the stomach or GERD or these acid reflux situations that that acid is actually splashing up into the esophagus where it doesn't belong, burning the tissue and leading to cellular derangement and a lot of illness. So the emotion of disgust needs to be handled and anger is a emotion of the low back. So if we're in a chronic state of anger, we end up with tension in our lumbar spine because what we're supposed to do in each of these states is physically act them out. So if we were in fear, we guard our carotid artery by bringing our shoulders up. If we're in disgust, we should throw up or get rid of or expel outward what we have. And if we're in anger, the low back lights up in the legs and we're supposed to attack or kick You think of how animals kick when they're angry. They ever get kicked by a horse who you know what I'm talking about. So if we don't express that out physically, uh, and we're not aware of it, um, uh, in it consciously, these emotions that stay chronically, slightly turned up, etch away at our health over time. And whether we have to develop ourselves spiritually, we have to develop an ability to channel this energy. So for me personally, having conversations and and being uh, verbal being able to d- describe and discuss these emotions with friends and family and if so and if necessary counselors and getting into f- movement uh i love to work out i didn't always love to work out but once i saw the relief of going for a significant run or climbing a rocky mountain or lifting heavy weight um it became a really uh, Exciting thing because any emotional, in a sense, baggage or emotional tension, whether it be fear, disgust, or anger that I was building up, sooner or later was released through the motions. Because when you work out, you should be moving all the parts of your body. So that tension you're putting in there adds up, and uh, we can release it through motion. So, through actually physically moving that part of the body and through developing prayer, affirmation however you want to word it but you're going to actually be able to say out loud um different parts of different emotional getting different emotional states out by talking about them whether it be or to a person so for me channeling that that tension and that is ancient wisdom right because it comes from chinese medicine which is thousands of years old and when something's thousands of years old it has a higher truth because it didn't go away things that don't go away are higher truths than things that stick around
1: it's not like a fad
0: Right. You know, right.
1: Something that's in. Exactly. Out, exactly. You know, so you now that's uh, I think that's extremely important for the average person to understand the importance of, you know, ancient wisdom, but also apply modern science and common sense. You know, so I think, uh, you know, you did a very, very good job explaining that. Um, I think it's always interesting when we have conversations no. about yeah. these things. Yeah. You know, it's like you could get so deep into it, you know.
0: Um, Yeah, and this is the kind of stuff I go over with my patients very often. So, you know, repetition is the mother of scale, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, obviously, you know, within closing, you know, um, as somebody, you know, the question I think we asked before, somebody that's searching for information and stuff, That first of all, obviously, you have created a resource that they can utilize. Mm -hmm. But outside of that resource, if they're doing additional research and trying to find out more, obviously, beside the podcast, you know, um, you're going to have other interviewers, um, other guests, speakers. Mm-hmm. Can you speak about that, actually? What type of guests are you looking to? I, to
0: I started out, the first two podcasts were people that influenced me, and i and I like to continue in that vein, because if someone is either in agreement with me, it, it's, I think it's an interesting conversation, but if someone disagrees with me, sometimes it's even more of an interesting conversation, because uh, you can have the count pointer count dynamic to it. Um, but most of my guests are going to be people that are going to be in the health world, trying to better people's health and from d- slightly different disciplines to maybe very different disciplines, but you know, it's going to be natural, uh, an emphasis on natural health. Like I said, we're going to have a natural path on soon. I'm going to have a very young chiropractor on to, uh, he's really, really great with chiropractic philosophy which is something that uh, the public knows almost nothing about. And most chiropractors know very little about because you can learn the science art of chiropractic and have a great practice. But when you go back and you study where it came from its roots, as well as its origins and who founded it and what it was based on. It's fascinating. Yeah. The history of chiropractic, it would make an incredible dramatic movie. You know, the founder of chiropractic was put in jail, I think over seven times for practicing medicine without a license. And he said he wasn't practicing medicine, he was practicing chiropractic. And of course they said, well, what is that? And he started to explain it and they just shook their heads and locked him up. And uh, you know, until he got it licensed as a separate healing art, which he should have done obviously. And when he did, uh, everything got a lot better. He started teaching it and uh, the whole history is amazing. Uh, So anybody that uh, is in my world influenced me, someone I look up to, someone I learned from, someone young with a new perspective, uh, just keep expanding the horizon of what's out there for you as uh, a listener to grasp how to heal yourself, how to, how to get information, what to look out for, who's lying, who's telling the truth, who's, who has, uh, you know, the, the, who, I just want to make sure that your attention isn't just simply news, news sources. I mean, nothing against Sanjay Gupta and Dr. Oz, but they're on television. And uh, in my opinion, television is the problem, not the solution. Uh, it's something that uh, if, if anyone is watching uh, this pandemic on CNN or Fox News, it's, it's intolerable. For, I can't even tolerate sitting through what their opinions are and what they have to say and the fear that they sell. Obviously, this is a real virus and it's a real problem. But at the same time, uh, the way they sell it is basically just a drama show that so you'll tune in next time. And uh, to me, that's what the mass media is, and that's what it continues to be, because it obviously is making money. Everyone's tuned into 24-hour news, and it's a shame. So for me, uh, if I can share someone else's perspective on uh, how to get your immune system healthy, um, I'm more than happy to do that, and I'm sure that's going to be one of our shows.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I love that you don't hold back, by the way. No, I don't
0: know how much I can... How much? Nonsense! Can I listen to Uh, when you have an educated mind and a curious mind, and you see that a politician or a newscaster is going to tell, say something that just doesn't make scientific sense at all? uh, It's pretty disturbing.
1: Yeah, it is. It is, especially with the pandemic right now. Um, What, by the way, is applying the um, you know ancient wisdom in modern science? to the current pandemic how would you approach that as far as funding information reliable information mm. you know as to
0: it's who I, do
1: i trust and who i don't yeah
0: trust? I, I the first thing a person yeah this pandemic uh, unfortunately is uh, based in your people's lack of understanding and knowledge of the immune system and of viruses so my recommendation is to get a basic book on viruses there's a book called virus i believe It's probably 10 years old, 20 years old even. And uh, to get a basic understanding of just a little bit beyond the layman uh, is where I would usually send people. And uh, understand where these things come from, that we make them, that we have a virome. In other words, our body is partly virus. I think it's six to 8% of us. Our genome is viral DNA and viral RNA in us. Uh, think of how the chickenpox virus stays in you, uh, dormant in a sense, and then comes out as shingles when we're stressed. That's that, those are fascinating things that uh, science fiction would have trouble competing with, and it's you know very real. And an understanding uh, beyond that of how our immune system works. People think we ca- people think we catch colds, and there's something called the hygiene hypothesis. I would encourage everyone to look up because there's an amount of germs and or dirt or whatever you want to call them, bacteria, viruses that are healthy for us. And then there's an amount that will kill us. And there's some that are dangerous. But if we don't get a little bit of dirt on us, we're going to end up with an immune system that actually fails because then that's what the hygiene hypothesis talks about is that, you know, if you had open sewers, you're going to end up with cholera. And if you have if you bleach everything in your life, you're gonna end up with an autoimmune disease. So there's this fine line between the two and we have to explore that at some point. And uh, that's something that you know everybody should do. So getting a basic understanding to start off with of viruses and a basic understanding of your immune system and how they interact. So then you can sort of listen intelligently to what um, you're being presented and make uh, intelligent choices as to how you wanna proceed. Do you leave your house ever? at what point will you leave your house at what point will you be able to be in a group of people do you think the vaccine's going to solve that what about the next virus that comes out of china or wherever you know these are questions that we're not really posing right now uh, how do we develop an immunity you know do we always have to make an antibody to be immune uh, there's great questions that i can answer at some other time because it goes on forever but start reading that information so you have a really good understanding if you understand your immune system you may understand how not to end up getting cancer it's that it's that important most healthy behaviors enhance your immune system most unhealthy behaviors decrease the efficiency of your immune system and uh getting healthy right now it should be your number one priority and uh so you know that that would be a basic way i would go about it
1: yeah. Thank you for taking. Um, and by the way, thank you for doing this. I really, I really enjoy these uh, podcasts and listening to the guests and everything else. So it's definitely an honor to. Well, it's, to I, I,
0: I appreciate everything you do for me, Mitch. And that's, uh, I appreciate the questions today. Uh, happy to do it. Okay. All right, guys. Well, have, have a good day and uh, tune in next time. And we'll keep you informed on everything from ancient wisdom, modern science, and common sense.